I went into ChatGPT and I typed create a protocol for a perimenopausal woman experiencing fatigue. It did what honestly a lot of practitioners would recommend in their first four or five visits. Your competition are not your colleagues and the protocols they create. Your competition is a faster, less expensive version of you. And in two minutes, ChatGPT became a faster, less expensive version than me. The thing about AI is it is increasing its intelligence at a compounded rate. This is happening at an exponential rate. This means that in 10 months when I ask that same protocol and I ask smarter questions, it's going to give me a smarter outcome. Those of you, because I'm not practicing anymore, who are engaging in what I call transactional care, someone who comes in, they're like, hey, I'm tired. What are we going to do? We do an intake. We give them some recommendations. We clean up their diet and four or five minutes later, we send them on their way. That type of practitioner, that type of coach, you are most at risk. This is Impact, the podcast where we explore entrepreneurship, mindset, and health to provide you with the ingredients for an unregrettable version of your life story. The DNA Company is an innovative provider of functional genomic solutions for personalized health and wellness. With over two decades of research, 10,000 plus genomic samples, including my own, and thousands of clinical consultations, their reports can identify outcomes like chronic fatigue, dysregulated hormones, poor emotional resilience, addictions, chronic inflammation, metabolic dysfunction, weight gain, and more. Discover how the DNA Company's genomic insights can help your patients improve their health outcomes. Right now, as an exclusive offer to listeners, get $100 off DNA 360 test and report by going to thednacompany.com forward slash impact lives. Hey, hey there. Welcome to Impact. We've got some fun, juicy stuff today, and it's just you and I hanging out. It's Megan Walker here, the host of Impact. And I want to talk to you today about what honestly I feel like is one of the most important low-hanging fruit strategic decisions you can make as a practitioner or as a coach to not only future-proof your business, but to future-proof yourself to reach more people. It is like the gateway to being able to build a more substantive business. It is the gateway to get you out of the fight or flight and the transactional thing that happens day in and day out when you trade your time for money. It is the thing that helps you see all the different ways you can reach more people. When I say we don't help more people by lowering our prices and our cost of care, but we help more people by innovating our offer. I'm going to get to that single thing, that low hanging fruit, but I want to tell you I want to tell you a story first because it really sets the stage for this. So as you may or may not know, if you hang out with me on Instagram, I travel a lot and I love to travel and I love to be in airplanes. And being on an airplane is perhaps the most productive place. I was going to say I can go on earth, but literally I'm like off earth. But hiding out in an airplane is one of those places where I can just like, I can, I can bang work out. Like I can't do anything. I can't even get up. I can't go grab a snack. I'm like, I sit and I focus and get the thing done and I get off the airplane. So I'm actually a terrible resource when it comes to like, what's the thing playing on, on the airplane right now? Like what, what are the great shows or the movie? Like I don't, I don't watch TV on airplanes. I bang stuff out. Anyway, that's a whole, that's a whole other podcast. 
uh, and it's not to judge the movie watchers. My husband loves watching movies. Uh, he watches movies beside me every time we travel together. It's just that it, I have like created this like sacred ritual around like building shit on a plane. Anyway, there is a time and place where, you know, sometimes I don't feel like doing it. Sometimes I can't get access to Wi-Fi and I might need it. Sometimes I'm just like, I'm just tired. So the exception to the rule is that, yeah, I will flip it on and I will see what's playing. And usually what happens is I flip through every TV show and every podcast and every movie and none of them really satisfy what I want. And then there was this one day, this one time where there was this show, this series, I don't know where it fell, under the documentary section, which is usually where I will default to. And it was an entire show and series all about existential threats to humanity. And me being like the perpetual optimist was like, Ooh, that looks amazing. And so I flipped it on. I don't know the name of the series. I'm pretty sure it's on Discovery Channel or somewhere else. But I found it so interesting that existential threats to humanity are uh, global warming. They are natural disasters. They are UFOs. And then this fun episode, AI. I've watched the entire series. Now I have this like secret thing I do before I'm massively productive on an airplane where I go and watch the show about existential threats. It's something I should probably bring up uh, with my therapist. But it, nonetheless, it, was, it is super interesting. This entire conversation around AI was one I found so fascinating and one that is particularly timely right now. And what's so fascinating about like when they talk about existential threats to humanity, this is no joke. There is a whole center at Oxford. I don't know what it's called. It's irrelevant to this, to this diatribe. But there's a whole center at Oxford that actually studies and quantifies the validity or threat, like the level of threat that each of these existential entities pose, like nuclear war, like I said, UFOs, uh, natural disasters, pandemics, all of the above. Like which one is most like meteorites? That was a good episode too. Which one is most likely to just like take out humanity? And what was so fascinating about watching this series is that while some are big and scary, like meteorites and all the cool things they do to meteors, meteorites to keep them from hitting Earth and natural disasters, there's one where everyone's like, ah, we do not, like, we don't have really great predictive models to know how this is going to evolve. And it's evolving so quickly that we're not sure, we're not sure what to do with it. And while this was like the subject of, of movies a decade ago, it's now becoming a real thing today. And that is artificial intelligence. This episode today is not about artificial intelligence, although we're going to have one uh, coming up very soon. What this episode is about is the way artificial intelligence, as one of many existential threats, has the capacity to impact your practice or your coaching business, and how that is actually going to creep up on you much faster than you thought. This is not something that you're like, I will come back to this because, gosh, I should know about this in 10 years. This is one of those things where, I should think about this today because this is going to be something that is relevant to every conversation that every person has with respect to their healthcare within the next 10 months. So this isn't a, I'll get to it later kind of a topic to look at. This is a, let's examine it right now. I'm not suggesting for one second that within the next 10 months, we are going to have an AI capacity that will completely replace you as a clinician. And I know that some of you are sitting there right now. They're like, well, I can see how that might happen 
in an emergency care situation, but I'm a naturopathic doctor or I'm a functional medicine doctor or I'm a psychotherapist and, and I treat the individual. And so there's no way that AI is going to come in and stomp on the highly individualized care that I provide to my patients. What I'm going to share with you is that when I sat in a room with 12 other CEOs earlier in January at a mastermind, one of the first statistics that was shared or one of the the first data points that was spoken of was how when they survey professionals around how they perceive AI and the potential threat of AI, 90% of individuals could see or craft a story around how AI might impact other industries, how they saw it impacting the legal industry or the medical industry or the content creation industry, obviously podcasting authors, like newscasters, all of the above. They could all imagine how AI could disrupt all of those other things. And then nine times out of 10, those same individuals could not fathom how it would impact them. They somehow saw, I think the authors were probably an exception. They somehow saw this like barrier to AI being able to affect them. They over-indexed the importance of their individuality in the context of their own careers. And so I want to examine this topic from a really objective place, because I think one of the thinking traps we could move into on this is that, oh, I've got time because I'm in one of these impenetrable vocations that's not necessarily going to be on the first target hit list for artificial intelligence. And What I want to challenge you with is this notion of yes and. Maybe you do have a little bit uh, more time, but what if you don't? When I was in clinical practice, I'll be really honest, I did not always practice evidence-based medicine as we like to define it. I did not base every single clinical decision that I made based on the latest double-blind placebo-controlled trial uh, and pulled my protocols together from there. What I did practice was a system of medicine I call hedge your bets medicine, where I go, what is the science saying about individual compounds? What is the science saying around longevity? What is the science saying around safety of certain things? What is the outcome this person wants? What is a protocol I can put together that hedges their bets moving into the future? And I would say to them, I can't promise you that every single thing I just recommended is going to pan out to be like everything we think it might be right now. I can promise you I'm not going to give you anything that has any evidence or suggestion that it is unsafe. But at the same time, I just I want you to know that the protocol I'm putting together for you right now, while safe and while science informed, has not necessarily passed this burden of a double blind placebo controlled trial. And I can tell you my practice not once when I share that did someone say, oh, I'm not interested. Because it's not why they ever came to see me. So what I'm going to talk about in this context and how we have to protect ourselves, this is not because I'm sitting here with massive amounts of data and evidence that your particular industry, medical practitioners, naturopathic doctors, functional medicine docs, TCM practitioners, all of you are necessarily going to be threatened by this. But I can say that it is likely to disrupt what you are doing. And here is a really simple example. I went into chat GPT a few weeks ago, and I typed in create a protocol for a perimenopausal woman experiencing fatigue, or make nutritional recommendations or make supplement recommendations. I kept refining my search. It put together a sweet little protocol. 
It gave me a few vitamins to consider. It did tell me that I should check with my medical provider first because no one wants to get sued, but it gave me a few compounds that you could take. It made some dietary recommendations. It made some suggestions around sleep routines, and it made some suggestions with respect to like meditation, lifestyle, intervention, et cetera. It did what honestly a lot of practitioners would recommend in their first four or five visits. I know like not people in my mastermind, but like some of us, we, you know, we start with the basics for people. We meet them where they're at. Your competition are not your colleagues and the protocols they create. Your competition is a faster, less expensive version of you. And in two minutes, ChatGPT became a faster, less expensive version than me. And I know some of you are like, but Megan, it was probably crappy recommendations. There's nothing innovative about that. We could go to Google. 100% correct. That is true today. But what about, what about in 10 months from now? The thing about AI is it is increasing its intelligence at a compounded rate. This isn't linear. We're not adding one plus one plus one plus one. It's like, this is happening at an exponential rate. This means that in 10 months, when I ask that same protocol and I ask smarter questions, it's going to give me a smarter output. What does this mean? It means that those of us, those of you, because I'm not practicing anymore, who are engaging in what I call transactional care, someone who comes in, they're like, hey, I'm tired. What are we going to do? We do an intake. We give them some recommendations. We clean up their diet. And four or five minutes later, we send them on their way. That type of practitioner, that type of coach, whether it's nutritional or it's mental emotional, you are most at risk. You are most at risk because fast on your tails is an intelligence and tool that renders transactional care inaccessible to most people financially. They can literally just go to this tool, plug in a few things and give themselves six or nine months worth of attempts before they have to come in and see you. What I want to talk about today is how we protect ourselves from that. This is a hedge your bets perspective. This is how do I mitigate risk within my practice? What do I need to build? I would argue one of the most important things and tools and opportunities we have at our disposal is to further refine this idea of individualized care, add more sophistication to individualized care, and move it out of a series of transactions and into a transformational experience. When you are delivering a transformational experience, when you design your own signature care system, You create another barrier between yourself and a technology like chat GPT. I want you to think for one second. I don't know if you have an Apple watch. I do. It's charging upstairs. I've been wearing that Apple watch for four or five years. That means Apple has been collecting health data related to me moving, to me sleeping, to me being on my period, to like all of the above for the last four or five years. Apple has not yet released an artificial intelligence platform related to health and lifestyle medicine, but they are the first ones who come to mind when I think of who is sitting on the highest pile of data that might be able to intervene or provide an AI solution to the average consumer. Once again, there are so many unknowns. We don't have to know everything about the future to prepare for it. So what am I talking about when I talk about a transformational approach to care, a signature care system? Well, what I'm talking about is honoring and recognizing that the average person who's looking to make an investment in you in a one-on-one context is likely looking for more than a series of four or five visits where you give them things to do and modify their supplements. What they're really looking for is clarity of, I've come through the door with this problem. 
And I need someone to not only help me resolve that problem, but I want someone to prevent that problem from ever coming back in the first place. I want to benefit from the emotional transformation that also comes by taking this level of control over my health. I want to understand what the lifestyle things are that I've done that got me into this problem in the first place and how I can modify those and protect myself from myself so that I don't engage in those things again in the future. I want the coaching. I want the tools. I want to be able to acquire the acumen to take care of my health in a way that I've never been able to take care of my health before. This is totally different than someone walking into your office saying I have hot flashes and you put them on HRT and they come back for a series of appointments. That is totally one model. I'm talking about transforming people in an entirely different way. One of the cool things that we see when we move someone from a transactional system of care to a transformational system of care is we actually see those patients and those practitioners working with one another three times longer. There is a financial benefit to that because you are interacting with that patient three times longer. So generally we see, I'll speak to Ontario statistics, that the average lifetime value of a patient for an average ND in Ontario is about $650, meaning after four visits, they stop coming. Maybe they've spent a little bit more on supplements, but in terms of straight service fees, they're sitting about six to $800, not a lot of money for the amount of work and strategy and education and risk and all the things that you carry and bring to the table. When we move into a transformational model where we're building out transformation, we have to see them longer. We're doing less We're accomplishing more, but we are like having a series of visits where we're not giving them like 85 pages of protocols to read on their own, where we're trying to stuff as much into a few visits as possible. We're like, here are the three things I want you to work on. Here's why we're working on them. Here's the benchmark I'm looking for you to achieve by the time I see you next. Here are the three supplements that directly align with that benchmark or outcome that we are looking to modify. I will see you in three weeks where we will check in on these three pieces. Everything is contextualized. Everything is built upon. What's so cool about that is that when we're working with people longer, when we're simplifying the process, but giving them more clarity on where we are going with respect to their care, we have more buy-in. When I have more buy-in, we have more compliance. When we have more compliance, we get better results. I have never in my clinical career found that I get less superior results or substandard results when I decide to engage someone in transformation. Where I've always been frustrated with the results that my patients get is when I engage in them over a series of transactions and they lose interest or they lose motivation or they were expecting miracles for their $500 worth of insurance and I just could not deliver it. Or I gave them way too much information trying to squeeze everything all at once. They were overwhelmed. They self-sabotaged in terms of their behavior and we didn't get them where we needed to go. I want to deliver transformational care because it is how we get people well and keep them there. I also want to deliver transformational care because what we do is we move the lifetime value of an average patient in Ontario for a naturopathic doctor because I just wanted to pick one piece of statistical data that we had internally in our business. And we move the value of that patient from $600 to well over $3,600. I'm not taking or spending more time on them. I am not working harder. I'm getting better outcomes for their patients. I am clearer on the journey that I am moving them through. I am happier. They are happier. They are getting better results and they are less likely to come back into my office. 
So this transformational experience is different than how we were taught to deliver in school. This is what my whole book, Impact Medicine, is all about. And I'm going to tell you in a few minutes how you can get your hands on it. But when we were taught at school, we were taught patient comes in, give them a few things, tell them to come back. Hopefully their symptoms resolve, they get better. Hopefully in four or five visits, do it as quickly as you can. And then when they're better, like tell them to come back in, you know, in a year to check in or in six months to check in or whatever that cadence happens to be. We don't have time to address the route they walk through the grocery store. We don't have time to address and nor have we contextualized the importance of managing the fact that they totally dislike their job and overeat every Thursday through Sunday night to compensate for that. We don't have time to address that they were never taught how to eat well as a kid and have all sorts of baggage around what it would actually mean to make healthier choices for themselves as adults. We don't have time to unpack all those things because we really are trying to fit everything into four visits. So the beautiful thing about a transformation is acknowledging all of these pieces, designing a care plan that enables people to move through all of these different elements. Now, I want to share with you a framework on how to create transformation. And the cool thing about talking about transformation is that making the decision to add transformational care to your practice does not mean you have to do away with the transaction piece. So for all of you who are like, but Megan, my practice is working just fine. I don't really want to change it. Why should I have to change it? You don't. This is a yes and conversation, not a yeah, but conversation. I also, this is just my perspective. This is just the opportunity that I have conceived. This is just the way that I did it. And we saw a lot of successful outcomes. It doesn't mean it is the way you have to do it. This is about exploring ideas. This is about constantly iterating and improving. So I want to share this in that spirit, not me being like, this is the way you have to do it. It's not. You can do it any way you want. But I do want to share with you a way that has been successful for hundreds of practitioners that we have uh, worked with and the resulting thousands of patients who have moved through their transformational models. So there's a few pieces that we need as background when we're talking about this notion of designing a transformation. So the first thing that's really important is that it is going to be easier for you to design what I'm going to call a signature care system or a methodology. If you've hung out with me for a while, you're like, Megan, I did all your methodology work. We're talking about the same thing. I just like the idea and the phrasing of signature care system better than methodology. So we're going to just change it because we can. So when we talk about this idea of designing a signature care system, one of the things that will make that easier for you is if you have a really clear understanding of your niche and or target population. Who are you working with and what outcome are you delivering for them? So if you're still stuck in the, I am everything to everyone at any possible moment, that's okay. That's the phase of where you're at. It's going to be much harder for you to move through this process. I still want you to listen to what I have to say. This is still relevant. You may find that there is a subsector of the population that you work with that this is really easy for you to implement and that can start to grow that subsector of your population over time. So there's no right or wrong way of approaching this, but you will see as I speak to this that what we can't design, it's not like I was going to use a math analogy, but I shouldn't do that because that's like not that's not my natural brain. But you know they say there's like a one master equation that explains the whole universe. That's not what we're trying to do here with your signature care system. Your signature care system is going to achieve an outcome for one particular target population. I worked with entrepreneurs. My promise of my signature care system is to make their body and brain available at a moment's notice. That's going to vary for everyone. For any of you whose brain suddenly moved into, yeah, but but Megan, I can't make promises. I want you to hang out at the 30,000 foot level 
I want you to turn off the primitive yeah, but portion of your brain, because there's nuance in language that we can attend to afterwards. We're not promising anybody any big outcomes, open your brain up again, to what it is that we're going to talk about. It will be easier if you've got a niche or an understanding of who you want to deliver transformation for. The next piece I need you to understand is that as a clinician, you fulfill three primary roles. You fulfill the role of strategist. If you have spent time in school and you have doctor in front of your name, by default, you should be hanging out in the realm of strategist. You've paid a lot of money for your education. You have a ton of expertise. You have an authority that enables you to act as the strategist in a patient's care. It does not mean that you must be a doctor in order to fulfill that strategist role. I just want you to know that when you're designing out transformation and you are delivering it as the strategist, as that, like I want you to think of it as a hat, any clinician can wear any type of hat. It's the strategist who earns the most because it's the strategist who has the most responsibility. It's the strategist who designs and refines the transformational process. There are two other person's hats within these clinician identities. And when you're first getting started, you're probably going to be all three. I was often all three of these things, even in my practice, right until the end, because I had a smaller uh, micro practice. When I had a bigger clinic, I was able to create different layers of leverage. So I just want you to know, you might be wearing all of these hats, but I want you to recognize for any given type of appointment, you might be wearing a different type of hat. So the strategist is the person, you know, who meets with the patient in that first one or two visits. They design that protocol. They explain the protocol. They send people out for uh, blood work. They do the functional medicine testing. They do the, the physical exams. It doesn't matter whether I'm talking to functional medicine docs or I'm talking to chiropractors or I'm talking to acupuncturists. It's the person who sets the protocol who's the strategist. The next hat you could be wearing as a clinician is that of technician. A technician is the person who is performing the adjustment. The technician is the person who's sticking in the IV. The technician is the person who's doing the acupuncture needles. Sometimes it might be you. Let me give you a chiropractic example. I used to see a chiropractor. She came in. I mean, I still do, but like, I'm just going to give you the example of this one clinical experience. She did that initial appointment. She did that subsequent appointment. She did all the check-in appointments. All of my other appointments in between Whoever happened to be there that day looked at my chart and carried on with the treatment protocol. It was agnostic to any one particular practitioner. It was a super cruel model. When I needed to have strategic conversations, those strategic appointments were in my schedule. Otherwise, there was a technician always there to do that adjustment that moved my care forward. So I wanted to give you a tangible example. It's not the only way to do it. It's just an example of how it may be done. The third type of hat you will wear as a clinician is that of coach. You know that some of your interactions with patients, you're fully just there to cheer them on, remind them that they're after an amazing uh, outcome, encourage them to take the steps to move to the next level, like strategize around like maybe a different type of cereal that has less sugar in it, but still makes them happy, like whatever it happens to be. You are not leveraging your $100,000 education. You're leveraging a little bit of your experience and your enthusiasm and your good nature with people. You're moving them forward in a coaching context. Sometimes it'll be a strategic appointment where you still have to act as a coach. You're going to be a way better strategist if you also have the skills to be able to coach. But I want you to recognize that in a transformational process, there will be times that are really dominantly about moving people forward strategically. And there will be times where you are dominantly working with someone around a coaching component. 
And usually it's a strategic appointment followed by a few coaching appointment check-ins, followed by a strategic appointment, followed by a few coaching appointment check-ins. And maybe if you've added IVs or acupuncture or other thing on top of it, they're maybe having these technician appointments in between. So again, you might be wearing all three of those hats or you may have a bigger clinic, more people you can leverage. I'm going to give you an example and a framework where you're going to be able to start to think about both of these things. I want you to understand this because one of the first things I'm going to ask you to consider when you're building out transformation is to move away from this model where we name our appointments after blocks of time. So when you name an appointment after a block of time, it is a sure sign that you are trading your time for money. It's also a sure sign to your patients that they are trading their money for your time. Anywhere in life where we are trading time for money, we are not buying a transformation. We are literally buying a service in that moment. I wanted to give you some background and understanding why I say and suggest we stop naming our appointments after blocks of time. And now that I've told you that at any given moment, there are three different types of hats that you might be wearing as a clinician. What I want you to think about as you're designing out your transformational process is the function the function of the appointments is the function of the appointment to be moving the patient through a discovery phase where we learn more about their health, where we're doing physical exams, where we're getting to know one another, where we're acquiring the information to lay down the strategy is the function of the appointment to give people feedback related to blood work or blood work check-in is the function of the appointment to shift strategy. Or is the function of the appointment a coaching check-in? Maybe that takes less time. So I talk a lot about this idea of the functionality of appointments and naming an appointment after its function, not its time, for this very reason. It shifts the patient's relationship to the space and time that they are spending with you. It moves it away from, oh, I've got 45 minutes to be with this person. I'm buying 45 minutes of their time to, oh, I've got a strategy appointment today. Here's what happens on my strategy appointments. It completely shifts their relationship with the experience. That's part of your job. Part of your job is to create an experience for your patients. Part of your job is to create buy-in for change. You are not working if we're talking in this context, in an emergency department where you're stitching up someone's laceration, you're moving people through a change in their lifestyle. We want to establish through the language of our programming that this what they are engaging in is something different. So these are a few concepts. It's going to be easier if you've got a niche. There are different roles and hats that we play as clinicians. And we actually first step have to move out of naming our appointments after blocks of time. Now, for those of you, for those of you in the back who had a little yeah, but brain moment, you're like, well, yeah, but I have insurance, Megan, and the insurance companies require that I put time on. That's okay. You can have it, the discovery appointment and underneath line number two, up to 60 minutes in length. And I really clearly with insurance companies would write up to, because sometimes I don't need 60 minutes. And I would welcome those conversations from the insurance companies who would call me and say, "Uh, Megan, can you explain what up to means? And I would say, yes, sometimes I don't need the whole hour. And there was just this like silent, like, I don't know what to do with that on the other end of the phone. But at the same time, the person completely understood what I meant. I said, some of my executives don't want to sit there for an hour if we can achieve the outcome in five minutes. But the value of what I delivered is still the same. 
And they're like, okay, it, it wasn't their job to question that piece. They just wanted clarity around that component. No one's going to shut this down. It's just different than how it's been done in the past. So different hats. We've got a niche. We understand that different types of appointments are going to have different functions. Let's talk about the ingredients that you need to have in order to deliver transformation. Well, the first one, I use an acronym here. So before we get into this, this will be easier for you. If you have a piece of paper, you can write this down. If you are driving, you'll be able to remember it. The word is action. I call this our action framework. These are the ingredients you're going to need to break down further in order to design a transformation. The A in action stands for alignment. There needs to be alignment between you and the person sitting across from you. The person sitting across from you needs to achieve the outcome that you are hoping to deliver. If I'm promising someone's brain and body available to them at a moment's notice, and I have an entrepreneur who's like, I run a big company. I want more energy. I like can't deal with this brain fog. We're moving into a funding round. Like, Megan, can you help me? That was a proximate concern for them that my target population totally loved and bought into. They wanted that outcome. If you're promising your brain and body available to you at a moment's notice, and you're working with teens, that's probably not the language or outcome that they are looking for. That was the language that worked for for my population. If you're working with perimenopausal women, maybe you have another outcome that you are looking to achieve for them. If you're working with men or women with osteoporosis, maybe the outcome that you are looking for are like stronger bones, like better DEXA scan, like know exactly how to manage your osteoporosis so you're strong forever. You can have an anchor outcome that is going to be different depending on the population that you are looking for. And by anchor outcome, this is what we are aiming for. It doesn't mean I'm going to promise it. So there's the nuance in language. So there needs to be alignment. You cannot be shifting your transformational program every time someone new comes into your office. So you might have a transformational program you designed for perimenopausal women. And this really lovely 45-year-old man comes in and he just wants some general health support. Great. You can treat them in your transactional model you have always had. And you can reserve your transformational process for the women you designed it for. You can have both. So this is a yes and conversation. But to move people through transformation, you need to have alignment. Stop trying to fit everyone into all the square pegs into your round hole. So the A of action stands for alignment. Also, I'm just going to throw out there, you should feel aligned with the person. Sometimes people come in your office and they're really good on paper. And then they get in and there's just like, total energy vampire situation or you're like this person's lovely but i know they'd probably be better with my colleague down the street one of the things i want you to own as you move into the next phase of your business is that you reserve the right to make that recommendation right up front so if you think there's someone who's going to be better served for someone because the alignment actually feels off energetically or practically it is so much easier to recommend that person move forward at the get-go than it is once you're deep into your commitment to continue to care for them. So because I'm just so big on following through on commitment, I want you to just get really brave about acknowledging who you want to work with right up front. Make room for the right type of people in your practice. So alignment can mean a lot of things, but it needs to start with the person in your office is looking for the outcome you deliver. The C in action stands for care strategy. You can see why I call this your signature care system. So for you to be able to deliver transformation, you need to actually spend the time designing out a transformational process. You can't sit across from someone saying, I'm going to deliver this amazing transformational experience and you kind of do it on the fly. So we have an entire 
process, an entire training where we help you consider the ingredients that need to be in place in order for you to deliver transformational care on a much more granular level. So the action framework is the 30,000 foot view. And then we get a little bit deeper. And when we get a little bit deeper, we go really deep on that C, which is that care strategy. So you need to be able to, if you are going to deliver transformation, explain to someone, I take people from here to here. You know how you hear coaches or practitioners say, I take women from like hangry and hot flashy to like hot hot and happy, like whatever you want it to be. They're speaking to this notion of transformation. So you need the messaging behind it. But before you can have the messaging, you need to understand what the transformation is that you deliver. That is your care strategy. The T in the action framework stands for traction. How do we keep people going? One of the things we've traditionally done in the allied health space is someone comes in, we deliver care, we deliver them a protocol. And because it has not historically, we've never thought about appointments with such a dynamic nature. We've tried to be economical for everyone. We've created one system that we hope works for everyone. We see somebody for an appointment. We're like, okay, so here's like the laundry list of things to do. I'll see you in three weeks. Uh, just like follow my stuff. And for the average busy person, that's actually a lot. It's a lot to start to implement all of these different pieces. It is a lot to stick with it. It's a lot in the absence of any type of coaching or tool that holds people accountable, that keeps people motivated uh, in between. So the T in action stands for traction. How are you moving people forward in a motivated manner? This is where your different hats come in handy. So you might set the strategy as the strategist. And then you might say, great, I'm going to see you again in four weeks. But for the next three weeks, every Friday for 15 minutes, you're going to have access to our nutritionist or our health coach or whoever happens to be fulfilling that coaching role. If you don't have a coach yet in your practice, you might say, listen, I know it's going to be really hard to implement some of these pieces. You may have questions. So every Friday afternoon, I'm available for an hour of open office hours. You can come, you can send your wife or your partner, you can send your personal assistant. I don't really care who asks the question on your behalf, but I don't want anything to slow you down. So I open all of those hours with like a little bit of motivation and like five minutes of teaching. And then I answer any of either the anonymous questions that have been emailed to me uh, that week, or I'll take questions live if you'd like to come. So there's lots of ways you can do it. There's lots of ways you can creatively handle a patient confidentiality. And there's lots of layers of mechanisms or strategies you can consider around traction. It might be as simple as using Voxer. It might be as simple as using a coaching app that's HIPAA or Pepita compliant. So depending on what your, your regulatory requirements are, there are lots of tools at your disposal to maintain engagement in between visits. Why? Because it drives better outcomes because we mitigate confusion. We don't have people moving their next appointment because they never got around to the diet diary because they weren't sure what to write. Like all of that stuff. It's like total BS to us as practitioners, but a big deal when you are the one receiving the protocol, you need a tool for traction that helps to move people forward. We've covered ACT. Let's talk about I. I stands for investigation. So I know that there are differing opinions related to the use of functional tests. I know there are people who say we don't need all these big fancy tests. We can get everything we need from like simple blood work or simple in-office investigations. And I agree that as a clinician, we can get an awful lot from simple testing. I have also found in my experience that for patients, when they can get a more comprehensive, insightful understanding of what's happening in their body, it significantly elevates compliance. 
And so one of the things I love about more dynamic functional testing, or if I'm talking to psychotherapists, a really dynamic questionnaire that you created that's uniquely aligned to your transformational outcome, is that it becomes a tool for us to not only create buy-in at the beginning, but it is an additional tool for us to measure progress. So one of the things we have historically not been great at is giving our patients metrics or KPIs, key performance indicators, to measure their progress. So when I talk about investigation, there's not one particular investigation that I'm talking about. It's not one tool or one test. What I'm really talking about here are having ways that you can objectively measure where people are at and how the actions are taking commitment they have made are influencing these key performance indicators as it pertains to their health. So I loved leveraging functional testing in my office because my patients loved it. It was a unique insight they had never had into their health. It created a whole new layer of buy-in. It created clinically relevant information for me because I knew how I wanted to leverage that tool. So for me, this is not a black or white issue. I have found that investigation is a key component to driving compliance. So people can see the results of their hard work. There's lots of ways to think about that. The O of the action framework is others. So the most simple example of why we need to consider others when we're creating transformation is because right at the beginning, I said you wear three given hats at any moment when you are a clinician. And the goal is that you are not all of those things all of the time because you will fill your schedule doing things that are not necessarily the best use of your time. Your opportunity cost as you get busier is going to go up, meaning it gets more and more expensive for you to do things you do not need to be doing. So you might be an excellent coach, but you don't need to do all of the coaching. It's not fair that your patients have to pay for you and your strategist uh, pay grade to deliver that coaching piece. And you get paid more as a strategist because you're owning most of the responsibility here. Not because you're better, not because your schooling's better, not because you're better than your coach. Like I want to be really clear here that when we talk about pay grades in the context of healthcare, typically what we're talking about is not like better than. So anyone who's triggered, I just want you to check in on this. What we're talking about is who's owning the most amount of risk. And the strategist in this case is owning the most amount of risk. So we want to put those strategists in the role where we are fully deploying their brilliance in alignment with the risk that they have to carry. So if you can bring in a coach, it's less expensive for you and your business. That's the kind of leverage we're going to move to over the long term. So when I talk about others, who else do we need over the long term in order for you to deliver this full transformational process? It also does include those people we refer out to. Like there's nothing worse than I'm getting going and delivering this transformational process to my entrepreneurs and like somebody threw their back out. And they do what all humans do. They're like, oh, I'm going to put this transformational process on hold and then deal with this for six months. No, like who can I refer to in that moment who can simultaneously manage these two things? How do we stack both of these things happening together? So having a really strong, robust referral network is going to be really key to conferring confidence in your patients, but to also maintain the momentum they hired you to help them achieve. The last piece of the action framework. So we've covered A-C-T-I-O-N, and I know I'm moving through this really quickly because I'm going to share with you a resource so you can learn more, is next steps. So the kiss of death in transformation is people don't know why they are there in your office or what's coming next. Because what happens is they start to whisper to themselves, when does this ever end? Have you ever had that where you went to see a practitioner like, okay, great, I'll see you again in two weeks. Okay, great, I'll see you again in two weeks. Okay, great, I'll see you again in two weeks. 
you're in therapy with your partner, you're going to kind of look at each other after the fifth one and go, when do we not be here every two weeks? Like, what's the end game, right? It's like you're put on a, a prescription for your uh, for your reflux. And on the box, it says, don't take past six weeks. And your doctor's like, oh, we'll just keep refilling it. And you're like, until when? Like, what's what's the end game? How do I ever get off of this? If you don't tell your patients what the next step is in the transformation and how it's moving you closer to key benchmarks and milestones, guess what? They just stop coming. They stop coming because it becomes a big financial risk to carry on without actually understanding what the end game is. One of the key ingredients, it's got its own letter in the transformational process. The end is you must explain the next steps. There must be buying around that. They need to understand the importance of why they're coming into your office or they will just stop coming because they don't know when it's ever going to end. So transformation can be a massively impactful tool financially in your business, but most importantly, it delivers stronger outcomes for your patients. Those patients are like, sign me up. I want to change my life. This is a tool and opportunity. And this can be whether you are, we're talking about business coaching or we're talking about health coaching, the action framework stands. It's just going to shift slightly. Now in the spirit of next steps. I want to share something uh, with you if it feels aligned, which is the A of transformation, because I'm just big on delivering that for our clients as well. On March 9th, we're going to be running an event, a full day event uh, called Designing Your Signature Care System. And this is not a course. This is a what we call an intensive or a lab where we're literally going to be working together for the full day to map out and and design your transformational process, your signature care system. And what's so cool if we design your signature care system for how you treat your one-on-one patients is suddenly what becomes obvious to you is the next things you can create in your business. I want you to think of your signature care system as the gateway to diversifying your income. Why build an online course if you don't understand what transformation it fits into? So I often say that your signature care system enables you to build an ecosystem of offerings, offerings that make natural sense, offerings that move people onto that next stage. So if you've ever sat there as an entrepreneur or as a clinician entrepreneur, and you're like, how do people know what to build next? Like, I don't know what to build next. Like, I'd, I'd love to have an online program. I'd, I'd love to have a podcast and speak to things. I'd love to know what to even talk about uh, on my social media. It starts by having a signature approach to care. And when you have a signature approach to care, you now have an anchor in designing your ecosystem of offers. And when you have an ecosystem of offers, you are literally off and sailing. You're mitigating risk in your practice. You're able to reach more people. You are leveraging your time and you're doing it in the most strategic way. So if you are interested in joining me for that training, I would absolutely love to, uh, I'd absolutely love to have you. Uh, If you go to signature system dot biz, you're going to be able to sign up directly. We are still in early bird. So we're going to be in early bird until uh, March 1st. And with early bird, I give you all sorts of templates that you can just modify and leverage. You don't have to create all these pretty templates. You can just change your artwork. We design them all uh, within Canva. We're going to send you a copy of my book, Impact Medicine, um, and we're going to hang out together on the 9th. So you'll get all of the recordings, all of those uh, pieces. Again, you can register by going to 
signaturesystem.biz. You can also head over to where we hide our show notes over at meganwalker.com forward slash podcast. You'll see in the show notes for today's episode that there is a link to join us. And if you follow me on Instagram and my handle is at Dr. Megan Walker, uh, you will see in the link on my bio there that there is a link to be able to register. So if this resonated with you, if you felt alignment with this and you are curious how we take this action framework and actually on a granular level, start to build out uh, that signature approach to care, then you are definitely going to want to join us on March 9th. Okay, my friends, we have so many amazing things coming up. I don't want to give it all the way, but I'm pretty darn sure that uh, Dave Asprey is going to be here with me uh, next week talking all about his new program. I've got Mary Shores coming back. We're going to be talking about like elevated mindsets with respect to money as we walk into and move through 2023. I've got Adele Tevlin on tap to be talking about the shadows of feminine leadership and how we step into a whole new layer of self uh, leading. And then I'm going to be back talking more about um, new facets of our business, how we can move our business uh, forward. I'm going to be talking about five boss moves you can be making right now in your business or in your practice to take it to the next level. Because sometimes we're just not doing the things we should be doing. Long and short, you're going to want to hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so that you don't miss anything coming up over the course of the next few weeks. So sign yourself up, signaturesystem.biz. Make sure you are subscribed to the Impact Podcast with Megan Walker. And friends, I will see you again here next week. Impact is what lives on when we leave the room, tuck them in, or step off stage. It is less about what you do, more about how you make them feel, and everything about how you choose to show up in the world. If you enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this episode. I am your host, Megan Walker. Until next week, aim for impact.